0: How many of you remember the childhood rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me? Y'all remember that? Well, indeed, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words, words can destroy, words can destruct, words can damage for a lifetime. All of us have spoken words, myself included, that we wish we could take back, words that have damaged all of us have been spoken words to and about that have damaged, and that little rhyme that we learned to try to protect ourselves is not true. Words are destructive. As we continue in Nehemiah chapter 4, the wall, as we will see, is going to be halfway rebuilt all the way around. The enemy, though, is not happy. The enemy is angry. The enemy is coming against the Jews and He is going to do everything that he can to keep God's glory from being made known, to keep those walls from being restored so that God's glory can be restored and that those all around Jerusalem would know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But yet there's warfare that takes place, and we don't often talk about spiritual warfare in the church anymore these days. The warfare that takes place every time that God's glory is being made known, when when there's spiritual progress and God's kingdom is expanding, the enemy is always fast at work, and that is certainly the case here. And so as we go through our text this morning, I want us to see the way that the enemy works that the enemy is slick in what he tries to do, and the enemy will often try to ridicule the workers. Have you ever noticed that when you get serious about your relationship with Jesus, that it seems like indeed all hell breaks loose against you? That the moment that you get serious, the attacks from the enemy come, the, 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 the fiery darts of the evil one increase in number, they find their mark and they burn. With Have you ever noticed that? It is so true that when we get serious about our walk with Jesus that, that the enemy gets serious about standing up against us. We'll see this all throughout Nehemiah chapter 4. And so if you want to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4, there's, uh, I want us to see the, the, uh, the way the enemy tries to work. But I also want us to see in the end of our time together that the enemy uh, it can be fought, the enemy needs to be fought, and how Nehemiah goes about doing that. But very right in the beginning of chapter Four verse one. Now, when Sam Ballot had heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. He jeered at the Jews, and so here we have Sam Ballot, that as we saw before, was the chief enemy of Nehemiah. You know that he, as soon as the walls were being rebuilt, he did not like that, and he came and he began immediately, you know, hurling insults against the Jews. In verse two, we see that he says that. He said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? The enemy will heap ridicule on the workers. This word feeble. It, it means withered. It's, it's like a flower that has died. You feeble, withered Jews, who do you think you are that you're going to rebuild these broken walls? When the enemy doesn't do well, when his marks do not hit the ridicule of the workers, he immediately begins to ridicule the works. And we see this with Sanballat, that he begins to ridicule the work as well. But how many of you have experience the fiery darts of the enemy who comes against you and and stands up against you and, and that you feel withered anybody ever been there well guess what there's good news one of my favorite verses in all the bible is isaiah 40 31 for those who wait upon the lord he shall renew your strength that they will mount up with wings as eagles they will run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint Can we rebuild walls on our own? Could the Jews rebuild the walls on their own? Absolutely not. Their strength would come from God and God alone. The enemy will ridicule the workers, and then if that doesn't work, he will ridicule the work. We see you know, what the sand ballot had said. You know, he was talking about, well, they revived the stones out of the heap, out of rubbish, the burned ones. You know, and then as we see that the, uh, the rest of the enemies were there, Tobiah the Ammonite who was beside him, he said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. He's ridiculing the work. The enemy likes to do this as well. The enemy likes to put thoughts in their mind. Don't bother giving your testimony. You think anybody's going to listen to you? You think anybody's going to listen to you? I mean, the thing, remember all the things that you did. You, you're no good. Nobody wants to listen to somebody who's like you. Don't bother, don't bother teaching. Man, if they knew about you, they wouldn't listen to a word that you have to say. What's the point? The enemy ridicules the worker, and then when we try to serve God, he ridicules the work. You know, and, and you know what? There's always a grain of truth in the process. There's always truth in it that he uses. That's why it, it hits its mark all the time, because we understand that there's truth in it, and he begins to ridicule who we are. He ridicules the worker. He ridicules the work. And what he's trying to do the whole time, he's trying to intimidate us. He's trying to intimidate us so that we cease doing what God wants us to do. And we see this with the enemies here, you know, that, that when ridicule doesn't work, they immediately go to the, the intimidation. So let's look at verses 7 and 8, and then we'll drop down to 11. When Sambal and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that their breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry, and they all plotted together to come against and fight Jerusalem and to cause confusion on it. Drop it down to verse 11. And our enemy said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. The enemy will stop at nothing to stop the kingdom of God advancing. He will use every tactic that he can, both from outside and as we've mentioned before and we'll see in the chapters to come, from the inside he'll do whatever he can to destroy the work of God's kingdom advancing. We need to understand that the enemy never takes a vacation. The enemy never takes a day off. The enemy is relentless. And when we get serious about our walk with Jesus, we get serious about growing in our relationship with him, we get serious about serving God and making God's glory known, the enemy will not stop. His goal is to discourage us and to defeat us. And we see this in the text that he was trying to discourage you. Look at verse 10. It said, In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. When the enemy begins to hurl these insults, what he's trying to do is to get us to look at the things that are of the past, the things the rubble in our lives. He's not getting us to look at what God's glory is, what God wants to do in our lives, the plan that God has for us. He wants us to look at the, the, the destruction in our lives, the rubble in our lives, the things in our lives that that. Really are no good, and you see that those in Judah were so discouraged. They they realized that the the burden was heavy. That there's no way they were going to rebuild the walls by themselves, and that was the key. And that's the key that we need to understand. There's no way that you can rebuild the rubble in your life. It is impossible. And that's why the enemy goes to that, he, you know, and he wants to discourage, and he wants to defeat, and to get us keeping our eyes off the author and perfecter of our faith, keeping our eyes off of what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to continue to defeat us and to make us feel as though we are no good, that we are nothing but this rubble, and that nothing can be changed. How many of you have been so defeated in your life from the words that people have said, from the rubble in your life, that that you've begun to, like the people in Jerusalem, believe that this is just the reality. It's never going to change. I'm I'm just going to be like this the rest of my life. See, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. He wants you to understand that what he says is truth. But Nehemiah, he, he knew this was going to take place. I believe all the way back in chapter 1, as he spent his time in prayer, he knew that he was going to be up against the enemy. He knew that this wasn't going to be easy. And so the rest of our time together this morning, I want to show you how Nehemiah combated the enemy and how we need to combat the enemy as well. You know, Nehemiah was a man of prayer, and the first thing that he did when he combated the enemy was to pray. We've seen his prayer life in chapter 1 and chapter 2 as he continued to pray. And if you have not already read through the book of Nehemiah, I so encourage you to do so. If you have read through it, maybe this week go back and, and highlight all the prayers of Nehemiah. Look, look at the prayers and the, the design of his prayers. Even this one that we see here in chapter 4, the, the process that he goes through is one worthy of us to memorize. And so as we look at chapter verses 4 and 5 we see he says. here's how he prays, he says hear oh our God we are despised he admits where they are we are despised, the enemy is attacking us, we're discouraged you know God knows all right? so why wouldn't we admit to him the state of our being God knows Nehemiah immediately comes to God and he shares with them where we are and then, then he goes to God and he says turn back there Taunt on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover up their guilt and do not let their sins be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. See, they didn't take matters into their own hands. Here's what we need to understand from Nehemiah's prayer. He first went to God. He he confessed to God their plight, the condition of where what they were in, but he didn't take matters into his own hands. He left it in God's hands. God's all powerful, is he not? Do you not think that he can do a better job of taking care of those who are against you than you could yourselves? Yet why do we try over and over and over again to take matters into our own hands? He let God be his defender, and so he went to God. And, and he confessed where they were. You know, in the midst of spiritual battle, we need to be men and women of prayer. We go to God with our, with our prayers. But you know what we need to prepare for? We need to prepare to persevere. In the midst of the battle, which is going to happen, when you get serious with your walk with Jesus, when you get serious about serving God, the enemy will attack from every side. He will be relentless. He will not stop. We need to prepare for perseverance. Look at verse 6. After the prayer. Here's what they did. They continued building. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. The people came together in unity. They came together with the purpose of bringing God glory by restoring this wall. Remember we said the wall, rebuilding the wall was not just for their security. It was so that God could, his glory could be restored in the world so that the enemies would know that he is the true God. and It was about God's glory being made known. You know, we need to understand that it's not about us. It's not about this church. It's about God and God alone. It's about His glory being made known. The reason we persevere is so that God can do what He does best, glorify Himself in the midst of the battle, that God can win the battle for us. And as we persevere, we need to understand that we need to persevere we need to continue the work that god has called us to not to waver from that the people came together and they continued to work even those in judah and we'll see some of nehemiah's plan those in judah who were discouraged the people came alongside and they encouraged and they continued the work but you know sometimes sometimes we need to prepare even more and so they prayed but they also prayed and they posted a guard We need to make sure that we are on guard at all times you know sometimes in the church we get this idea and again there's truth in it that we need to be full of gentleness and meekness and patience and kindness and self-control and that is true but let me tell you something when it comes to spiritual warfare we need to take a stand and while we still need to be filled with the fruit of the holy spirit we need to stand firm and sometimes that means that it's, it's not gentleness and meekness. We need to stand firm with strength and courage that also comes from the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we have so sissified what a spiritual man is supposed to be, what the man of the house, the leader of the house is supposed to look like, that we have almost taken away these things that we see all throughout the Word of God to stand firm in the power of God, in His Word. In his might and be courageous. Let's look at how Nehemiah did this, beginning in verse 9. And then we'll drop down to 13 and 14. And we pray to our God. And we set a guard as protection against them day and night. He knew that they were not going to take time off and that there needed to be guards. Hey, let's just think about, as men of the household, how do we need to guard our families? If we're going out into the world every day, our children are going to school, we're going to work, and we're being bombarded by the world all day, how much more so do we need to protect our home? Do we need to protect our family from not allowing the world to bombard us when we come home? Our homes need to be a refuge and a strength. We as the leaders of the house need to post guard and stand guard for our families. Spiritual warfare is intense. Spiritual warfare is constant. The enemy will not stop. But as we go down to verse 13 and 14, it says, "...so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall..." In the open places, I stationed people by their clans with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Nehemiah knew where they were at the most vulnerability. He he knew where they needed to post guard the most. You know, spiritual leaders need to understand where we are weakness, where our weaknesses are, and stand guard. I think all of us have an understanding of what our weaknesses are. And, And the question is, are we posting a guard? You know, the things that we struggle with, are we going to other people, other men, with men to say, hey, look, I'm struggling in this area. Will you be my guard? Will you come and give me strength and give me courage? God never designed us to be alone in the battle, yet that's what the enemy tries to do all the time. He wants to isolate. He wants to get us to the side. Have, have, I think all of us have experienced this at least once in our journey with Jesus, that, that we get discouraged, we get defeated. We may not understand that it's spiritual warfare, and we, we stop going to church for a while. And here's the question. How'd that go for you? Did it draw you closer to Jesus? No, the enemy does that. He gets you isolated and then all these fiery darts come and they hit their mark and they burn. He called us to be one body in Christ, to stand firm together, to, to bear our burdens together that when one is weak, those who are strong come alongside and, and we link arms as we saw with the, the sword of the Spirit and, the, and our shields of faith that were designed to link together that we can battle with one another. And that's exactly what Nehemiah was doing here. You know, he, he posted a guard. Let's look down to verse 15 to 23. We see this in this, in this text when our enemies had heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held spears and shields and bows and, and coats of mail, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah. Remember, those were the ones that were discouraged the most. The leaders are there. They're encouraging them who are building the wall. Those who carried the burdens were were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and all the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work. And half of them held spears from the, from the break of dawn till the stars came out. I also said to the people at this time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and, and may labor by day. And so neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. They came together for the purpose of restoring God's glory. They came together to continue the work of what God had put upon their hearts. They came together when those were weak. They stood together and they battled together. You know, in, in today's f- form of technology, we all have cell phones and different things, the ability to text. You know, And if you haven't already signed up for our, our text messages with church, I encourage you to do that. You know, that, that if you were to call the church and say, look, I am struggling with this, would you please send a message out for the entire church to pray? Within seconds, that message could be church wide and have the entire body praying spiritual warfare prayers for you. When you think about it in the morning, we get, to, we, we get ready to go out. I was talking with this with one of my brothers this week, you know, and, and we, we, we get ready to go out. We brush our hair, even though we have less and less every day, it seems, and we brush our hair, and, and we put on makeup. I don't put on makeup, but some of you put on makeup, <laughs> right? And we stand there in front of the mirror getting ourselves ready. We make sure our belt's on, and everything's buttoned right, that it's not buttoned in the wrong holes, and we go out into the world. But spiritually, as my brother said, we go out naked. We don't spend time reading the word. We don't pray on the armor of God. And, and, we, and we wonder why the fiery darts hit their mark. And when they hit their mark, we're so isolated. And we don't share that with one another. We don't, we don't have people in our lives that are, are linking arms with us, that are, we are connected with, that we're doing life with, that we can call and say, hey, brother, or, hey, sister, I am struggling today. I need your prayers. We don't have those people in our lives that that would drop everything and come to, to help because we're not sharing that with them and we're not connecting with them. You know, We come to church on Sundays You know, and we have time of worship like we are now and, and we sing songs and then we go. You know, that, That's why God has called us to be a body of believers together, a connected body of believers where we have connected lives with lives. We're doing life together. It's not just about coming on Sunday morning. It's about getting plugged into our, our groups, your Sunday school groups, our small groups, the Bible studies, the other groups that are going on that we do life together so that we can take back what the enemy has taken from us, that the wall can be rebuilt. Here's the reality. You can't rebuild a rubble. I can't be rebuild a rubble, but God can. God can take those things that are lives that are, are broken, that are burned, that are damaged. and He can take them through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the unity of the church together, and he can build something that brings him glory. Want to close by telling you a story about a lady by the name of margaret when the story takes place margaret is well into her 40s as a young girl in grade school uh, she had something so traumatic in her life that happened to her in grade school that she was in counseling and she said she had been in counseling for months and months and months with this counselor and the counselor thought that she was finally to the point where she was ready to have success and the counselor asked her, Margaret, I want you to go back to that experience in grade school, and I want you to recount exactly what happened. Margaret immediately tensed up and began to have serious anxiety, and she began to recount in incredible detail what took place to her. She remembered the students. She remembered the teachers. She remembered what each child was wearing. You see, Margaret, when she was younger, had a problem with tardiness. You know, it really wasn't her problem. It was her parents' problem of getting her to school on time, and the their grade school teacher got so frustrated with her tardiness that she in her frustration decided that she was going to make an example of poor little margaret so she had margaret stand up at the front of the classroom and she called each one of the kids 25 kids in the classroom she gave them a piece of chalk and she said i want you to come up here and i want you to write something mean about margaret on the board and so margaret as the counselor asked she was in great detail describing each child what they were wearing them walking up to their frontal the room, taking the piece of chalk, and they wrote things like this Margaret is ugly. Margaret smells. Margaret is stupid. And on and on and on, these kids put things all over the board until the board was filled up, and Margaret had to stand there and bear it all. Margaret started to weep in the counselor's room, and the counselor said, Margaret, you missed one. She said, no, ma'am, I did not. I remember every one of those. I've been reliving this almost every day of my life, all the way into my 40s. I did not. Margaret, you missed one. There's one more. He's standing in the back of the room. He's whispering your name, Margaret. Margaret. He's, Margaret, he's walking to the front of the room, and he's beginning to erase all the things that those kids put on the wall. He's erasing them one at a time. He's taking them all off. Margaret, he's erased the entire board. And now he's writing different things over the board. Margaret, he's writing in red. Margaret is loved. Margaret is beautiful. Margaret is gentle and kind. Margaret is strong. Margaret is of great courage. And he went on and on and on. Margaret, it's Jesus. He erased all the things that they've said of you all these years, and He wants you to know what is true. Because of His shed blood, He took away all those things. He took that rubble in your life, and He has made it new. You see, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life through His shed blood, that you may have victory, and that you may have life abundantly. I wonder this morning, How many of you have listened to the words and the lies from the enemy and much like Margaret have been so destroyed by the things that others have said to you. Maybe your parents have said to you in their anger or others who have cared for you, the things that people have said. I wonder if the enemy has so allowed those flaming darts to continue to burn that it's kept you from experiencing what God says is true about you. I wonder how many of you today need that erased so that you can experience the victory that is available to us in Jesus. There have been things that have been done to all of us, things that we've done to ourselves, things because of the sin nature of other people that have happened to us. And we can listen to the words of the enemy the lies of the enemy that will incapacitate us from just our relationship with Christ, but more than that, keep us from experiencing God's glory and God's glory being made known through the transformation that takes place in his children. As we come to our time of invitation, I wonder how many of you need to be set free from the lies of the enemy. I want to encourage you to get up out from your seats and to come forward as Nehemiah did. He admitted the state of where they were and he claimed God's victory. I'm going to ask that as we come to this time of invitation that you, you know, just cry out to God and say, God, I've listened to these words for so long, and, and, and the enemy's flaming darts are burning in my soul. And God, I pray that you would extinguish all those darts. And I'm just going to say, if, if somebody next to you goes down, you come with them right? We're the body of Christ. They should, nobody should be up here by themselves praying alone. We need to come together and link arms together as the body of Christ so God can do something amazing from the rubble that's in our lives where the enemy's getting the rewards of the rubble, that God can take that rubble, those burnt stones, and he can build it into something for his glory both now and in the future so that everybody will know through the transformation of our lives that there is one King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so as we sing, Don't let the enemy continue to hold you down and throw his fiery darts at you. Let freedom ring in your soul from what God has done as Jesus has erased all those things that have been said and he's changed. You are my beloved. You are loved. You are my children. You are. And let God fill in the blanks for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word and the example of Nehemiah. I thank you, God, that you can take the rubble and, of burnt and broken stones that are crushed. And, Lord, that you can restore, you can revive our souls. Lord, you can create in us not just a new heart, but, God, you can do things in our lives through the repairing of our lives that no one else can do. God, we can't rebuild the walls, but you can. And, God, I pray that individually in lives today, that the lies that we have listened to for years and years and years, God, that you would erase them. Lord, that you would extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. And, God, that together we come together as the body of Christ. We link arms together. We sound the trumpet, and we come running, and we encourage one another. We love one another. And then, God, together through what you're doing in our lives, Lord, all the world will know that you are full of glory, that you are full of honor and praise, and Lord, that their lives can be transformed in the same way. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would overwhelm us now, in Jesus' name.